So I love what Edith um, was saying. What a blessing to reach people who are hurting, who are in need. And that's sort of what this is. Mind, heart, voice, and hand. The uh, bishop, St. Augustine, back in like the 3rd century, defined a Christian as a mind that Christ speaks and thinks through, a heart that Jesus loves with, a voice that he speaks through and speaks love and caring to people, and hands that what? Do something for someone. You need need something? Let me help you. Do something. So that's what a Christian is, right? So I I went with uh, Brian and Tanya and Michael and Hannah last night to go see um, Aaron Schust over in uh, Santa Rosa, Rosa, friend and I. And as we was going, he was mentioning about Brandon Heath. And I don't know how many of you have ever heard Brandon Heath or uh, know anything about him, but he's been singing for 20-plus years at least. And, and I loved it. He was in um, Kissimmee, Florida, and he's standing there waiting to order at Burger King, waiting to order his uh, hamburgers. And he's humming. And the lady behind the cash register says, you need to stick with your day job, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. How many Dove Awards are you getting? You know, so anyway, but he didn't say anything. He's very gracious. But he's going to be at Ridgecrest Baptist in February. If anyone's interested, look it up. Anyway, I did look it up and see that, confirmed that he is going to be there. But he wrote a song. And I love the song, and you may have heard it. It's uh, Give Me Your Eyes. And he talks about, he said, I stepped out on a busy street. See a woman, woman, and our eyes meet. She does her best to smile at me, to hide what's underneath. Right next to the right is a man dressed in black with a red tie, too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work, just buying time. Lord, give me eyes that I can see the hurt in people. And I challenge you, now some of you are introverts, I know, my wife is one of them. So, uh, you know, don't like the huggy uh, greeting, meeting, and thing. But I would challenge you, when you go to the mall, when you go shopping somewhere, look at people as they're walking in the, in the shopping center, in the grocery store. Try to make eye contact with them. Because the eyes are what? They're the window to the soul. People walk around you and they, they hide things. I know that sounds foolish, but we all try to hide our hurts and our pains. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, and uh, that's why I bring it up. Because Paul is going to be telling Timothy of all the things as a minister. And Gabe touched on it last week, right? About kind of like a uh, marathon, we're running, and man, we start to, wait a minute, how did I get in this, first of all? And what am I doing? Where am I going? How far have I got to go? Man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. What do you hold on to? You've got to have something to hold on to, right? So many people around us have nothing to anchor them down. And I see that, and I thought about something else. A um, young guy, I thought he had everything. Um, him and I worked as unarmed security guards at Panama City Beach. I grew up in Panama City. And uh, before I went in the Army, I decided, man, let me be an unarmed security guard out, out at the beach, you know, the spring breakers and craziness and, you know, always trying to break up fights. And usually it's... Two guys that are best friends and live in the same dorm or whatever, and they come from Tennessee, they come from Indiana, whatever, and they come down to the beach, and what do they do? They get in a fight. So you break them up. And uh, it's just crazy. But anyway, 
So we, this guy and I, we were teamed up, and we walked around every night. I thought he seemed fine. He was laughing and smiling. And he, I thought he had everything. Girls, hey, what time you get off, man? Hey, Sydney, what time you get out? Oh, about 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, come to our room, you know, when you get off. It's like, nobody ever asked me. Like, okay, bye, see you, buddy. I'm like, man, what a, what a guy. And he had all the looks. You know, he had, like, Sean Cassidy. I don't know if some of you remember Sean Cassidy and David Cassidy. I know I'm dating myself, but, you know, they had long hair. I've Y'all, I've never had hair. I'm sorry. I just was not blessed. Adam, I'm with you, brother. So, you know, he had long hair, and I thought, wow, man, he's got everything. And I come one night. Oh, where's Sydney? Uh, step over here, and we'll tell you. Oh, Sidney committed suicide last night after work. Really? Never knew it. Never saw. Never, you know, he didn't. Oh man, I never showed that he had any problems. People around us, people, folks, that they're hurting. More today than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. People are hurting. We need to be looking and try to, try to make eye contact with people and see, is there anything I can do for you? Can I be the hand of Christ? Can I be the voice of Christ and give you a word of encouragement? Can I pour my heart out to you and maybe give you some hope? Because we all need hope. What can we not live with without? Hope. We can live without a lot of things, but we cannot live without hope. And what is our hope? The Lord. So, anyway, I'm kind of on a soapbox, but I, I just thought about that when... Edith was speaking, and also when uh, Brian mentioned about Brandon Heath last night, it's like, wow, I love that song, Give Me Your Eyes. And may that be our prayer. To have the eyes of Christ, who looks not at our outward appearance, looks at our heart and sees the hurt, sees the pain. Some of you may be holding on, but just the string. It's like, oh, I don't know how my marriage, my work, my, I don't know. Just, you know, we never know. And you're you're not going to be like, hey, let me tell you, man, I got some problems. We all have problems. We all have problems. Different forms, different views, different patterns. But we all have problems we have to go to Christ for. But anyway, I wrote down some of these words because last week Gabe went through um, some of the the terms about 2 Timothy. Words is that. And I'm like, okay, I'm... I don't know. So I had to look it up and see. Uh, Mamertine Prism. Mamertine. Never heard of that. So I had to Google it. I'm not a history professor like Gabe. So I told him, I said, man, I wish I could be as good as you, but I'm not. But anyway, Mamertine Prism. And uh, so some of these words like the titanium, which I know is... (laughs) Tulian. I told you I can't speak English. Uh, Tulianum Dungeon. It was also known as that. It was a former place of worship for paganism. And they decided, eh, we'll turn it into a political prison. How nice. So, when you think of a place of worship, right, it's real clean, pristine, and beautiful. Not pagan. Damp, dark, musty, stinky. That's where Paul was staying. So, anyway... I knew I'd better write some of these words down because, you one, you wouldn't understand what I was trying to say. And for me to try to spell it, like, forget it. So these two words here, for died and live, we'll cover later. Because they had a, in the Greek, 
they were drying. And you know how many commercials... There's a lot of commercial Brendan and I look at, and it's like, oh my goodness, that, that is the most stupidest commercial I have ever heard. But what happens 20 years later? You still remember that stupid commercial. Why? Because it had a little jingle. It had something to keep you like, oh, I wish I could get that stupid thing out of my mind. I can't get it out. But anyway, they know if you do a song, you can remember things better. And so Paul, later in the, uh, the verses, I think it's 11, 12, and 13, he quotes... Um, here's a faithful saying that was kind of like a hymn or possibly a poem that all the Christians back then would know. So, in the Greek, those are the two words. And I'm not going to slaughter them. You can take a picture. You can try to pronounce them yourself. But anyway, that's what that's for. Um, but anyway, let's go back and kind of recap as to from last week um, what the significant... This is the second epistle or the second book of Timothy and how long after the first book was this written? A year. One year. And about what time frame? I heard 60, 60 64, 65, 66 somewhere in there. And who was the emperor? Yeah. And he loved Christians, right? No. no. No! Oh! We loved them as torches, you know, pour oil on them and set them fire. Yeah, I guess he loved them that way. But um, So he was definitely not uh, friendly to the Christians. And, of course, what was Paul? He, he not, even a, not only a Christian, but he's an evangelist and on fire for God. So uh, he's in Nero's sights, correct? Um, whoops. What? On fire for God, no pun intended. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, not in a nice way, usually. And hang on, I just, oh, there we go. Let me see if I can get this thing to work. All right, hang on. Technical difficulties, bear with me. There we go. Thank goodness I got the uh, password from Gate before I started. So, all right, it's connected. So, uh, significance is this is possibly the um, final letter that Paul writes, if he didn't write Hebrews. And um, it was written to Timothy. And what was Timothy doing? He was wanting to be like Paul, wanting to be an evangelist, a preacher, and whatever. So, uh, as Gabe mentioned last week, he's sort of like a, a, a marathon runner. He's running, he's teaching, he's preaching, and now he's getting to the point in his career or his profession or whatever you wish to call it that um, he's running into all sorts of things. And Paul's going to tell him, okay, now this, okay, don't get involved with that. You want to be like this, you want to do this, and you want to do that. So um, what city is Timothy ministering in? Ephesus, correct. And the city, uh, city of Ephesus, um, which had the temple of the goddess Diana, and with a library of like twenty thousand books and whatever, and um, it was a little port town, very prosperous. Prosperous, easy for me to say. Um, so Paul writes from this damp, stinky dungeon, dim, hardly no lights. Of course, Paul was probably uh, hard of seeing anyway, probably worse than I am. 
And so he's trying to write these letters or speak them to someone to write it for him. And um, when I, matter of fact, I see uh, Jim uh, Langley back here. Him and I both went to Baptist Bible Institute down in Graceville. And uh, when I was going, back then, a popular pastor was Chuck Swindoll. He was also a uh, professor out at the Baptist Seminar in Dallas. And um, anyway, they compared me to him, that I looked like him, I talked like him, and everything. I'm like, I don't even know who he is. So I had to pull him up and, and look, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see why. Because back then I had wire-framed gra- glass, wire glasses, and uh, I guess sounded like him, looked like him. Um, but anyway, he wrote a book, um, and let's see, um, wrote an article in the historical background of Paul's imprisonment back in uh, 2017. He said the Mamertine prison could have been called the House of Darkness. Few prisons were as dim, dank, and dirty as the lower chamber that Paul occupied. Known in earlier times as the Tullianum dungeon, its neglect, darkness, and stench gave it a hideous and terrifying appearance, according to Roman historian Seleucus. So he had nothing but the best. It's like, man, I've got great hair, wonderful light, wonderful place, palace, I'm doing great. Um, the Mamertine prison was a prison with, uh, located in Comit, uh, Comitium. Brenda said better than I did, but anyway, I wrote that up there as well. And um, in Comitium in ancient Rome, and it is said to have been built in about the 7th century, located in the northeastern slope of the uh, Capitoline Hill. And in the July of 64 is when the fire broke out in Rome. And it burned seven, or I'm sorry, 10 of the 14 cities or provinces or whatever, uh, and which there was four remaining, and there were two that were predominantly populated with what? Christians. So Nero tried to um, say it wasn't him or whatever, and then he's like, wait a minute, those Christians survived, so I'm going to blame it on them. So he used the Christians to blame it on. Um, and uh, a lot of people were thinking that Nero had created a fire, and of course we know it never happened in America because our government is always looking for our best and out to try to make us do better, right? You know, We don't have eminent domain or anything like that where they take your land from you, but that's kind of what they were worried about is Nero burned it down so he could rebuild the city the way he wanted, but fortunately we don't have to worry about that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see how go, well that goes. Um, but eventually, Paul does go before uh, Nero, and of course, he's beheaded. So a lot of what he is teaching to Timothy is not only for Timothy, but it's for his encouragement, as well as pastors to come later. But it's, a lot of times we say things, and it's meant for someone else and for them to perceive it as from, but we're actually talking about ourselves, and that's kind of what Paul is doing, I think. So um, anyway, if you have your Bible... Um, Turn to Second Timothy chapter two and verse one, and I will read the. Uh, and I'm reading from a complete Jewish Bible, but I'll read verses one through seven, and then we'll stop and, and talk about them. Second uh, Timothy chapter two, verse uh, one. So then, you, my son, be empowered by the grace that comes from the Messiah Yeshua, and the things you've heard from me, which were supported by many witnesses. These things commit to faithful people. Such as will be competent to teach others also, accept your share in suffering. Not you might have suffering, you may encounter 
He says, you go in and counter suffering. So accept it. Accept your share in suffering and disgrace as a good soldier of the Messiah Yeshua. No soldier on duty gets involved with civilian affairs, since he has to please his commanding officer. Also, as an athlete can't win a contest unless he competes according to the rules. The farmer who has done the hard work should be the first to receive a share of the harvest. Think about what I'm saying, for the Lord will enable you to understand everything. So, Paul starts out and he says, first and foremost, what do you need? You need grace. Why, why, what is grace? So, God's riches at Christ's expense. Very good. Now, another pastor, Chuck Smith, back in 1994, wrote a, uh, a book. And uh, it was, Why Grace Changes Everything. Why Grace Changes Everything. And he de- first describes or defines what grace is. The root meaning of the word grace is beauty. In the New Testament, grace means God's unmerited favor. Grace is God giving to me something that I cannot obtain on my own, something that I don't deserve. Grace is being accepted by God, even though I do not deserve it. And mercy is what? God not giving me what I deserve. So uh, we need grace. So that's the first thing that Paul starts out with. And the Bible teaches that we receive grace on the basis of our belief and our trust in God. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. We are forgiven by holy God simply by believing in Jesus Christ and his death on our behalf. So I also wrote up here, um, what is faith? To believe what you do not see. And the reward of the faith is to see what you believe. Is that not what we we believe in what? Heaven and being with Christ eternally and having peace and being not in temptation by Satan. And of course, most of you may not be ever tempted by Satan, of course. Uh, I am. But <clears throat> So where our hope is, we lay down our troubles and we exchange it for God's peace. He says, my yoke is easy, right? So uh, that's the way Paul starts up chapter 2 here, saying, be empowered by the grace that comes from Messiah Yeshua. And the things that you've heard from me, and what things are those? All the things about how to teach, or how to deal with problems, how to uh, work with people. You know, if you're talking to an elder and you've got to correct them, if he's older than you, you talk to him as a father. And if it's somebody that's your age or younger, you talk to him as a as a brother, correct. So Paul's been sharing all of this along the, uh, with Timothy. And he says, so remember these things that you've heard from me, which are supported by many witnesses. These things commit to um, steadfast and trustworthy and hardworking people. No, he says faithful people. Why is that? So Chuck Smith that I was just reading about uh, Grace, he also um, in that book talks about compares a factory, a production factory, to a garden. And of course, where did all of our Bibles start at? It started with the creation in the Garden of Eden. And then 4,000 years later, Christ was died. Where was he placed? In a garden tomb. And he rose from the garden. And 
another couple of thousand years, our belief is we're going to be back in the garden. So it's a big circle. But what is it? What is? What do you think of when you think of a garden? Tranquility, peace, happiness, and just no work. Production, uh, factory. It's like, oh, you got to hurry. Belt's moving. You can't, you can't hurry. Have you finished? You're sweating. You're like, oh, man, can't wait to get off work today. Get home. I finally through. So, how many Christians? And that's what Paul is trying to get across to Timothy, I think. How many Christians are trying through works, and they're working and they're hard? I'm, I got, I got. Paul says, no, it's by grace. And just keep focused on Christ and the, what He does. But you can't do it on your own. None of us can. And if we don't have grace, then Satan is going to come against us and go, you're nothing but a horrible, evil person. You don't deserve it. You deserve to die. And that's why people commit suicide. Because they listen to that lie instead of the truth that Christ gives. So we got to try to lead them to hear Christ and not listen to the world that Satan is trying to teach them. Anyway, uh, covenant to teach others. Now, why is it that we should be able to teach someone else what we know? Anyone been to Israel? So, Brent and I, our first tour to Israel was with Jonathan Kahn. And many of you know Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, um, great man of God, I think. Anyway, he talked, when we got there, he talked about the Sea of Galilee. I mean, the uh, Dead Sea. So, the Dead Sea, does it get any kind of nutrients? I mean, it's dead. No fish live in it. Nothing grows in it. Does it get any kind of nutrients? Why is it so dead? He gets all the... Huh? Salt. Salt. But he gets water from the Jordan, right? It flows down from the mountains, comes down the Jordan River, comes into the Dead Sea. And what does it do with it? Where does it go? Stagnant. Stagnant. It goes nowhere. So if we in our life, we receive blessings from God. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings. Oh, they're wonderful. And what do we do with them? I'm not doing anything. The parable of the talents. If you don't use your talent, what does God do with it? takes them away and gives it to someone else. So be careful. If you have a talent or you God's blessed you with something, you want to bless someone else with it, right? You don't want to be like the Dead Sea that's stagnant and uh, dead. Hence the reason they call it the Dead Sea. You want to be sharing with somebody. That keeps you alive. It's, it's not just for their sake. You're, you're helping yourself out. So... Um, then he says, no soldier, now several of us have been military or are military, no soldier on duty gets involved with civilian affairs. So when I was in military duty, there was several times, back then it was CNN, come reporter, hey, can I talk to you? Now you need to go see so-and-so, whoever our um, Jack person was. Go, go talk to him. I'm not telling you anything. Paul says, you're going to encounter... Situations where people come and ask you about this, and how, how, can you help me with this? He says, you don't want to be involved in those kind of things. You want to stick with the ministry. What is profitable for Jesus? Who, who are you working for as a minister? Who is, who is your commanding officer? Jesus. Should be, hopefully. So you want to do what is pleasing to Yeshua. So uh, don't worry about all the other 
uh, stuff coming at you. Just focus on what God wants you to do. Pray to Him. And how many times did Jesus say, I need to get away. i got to go talk to the Father. So uh, we have to find those times. And it's, trust me, it's hard, especially with the world we live in today. But we have to break away and find time to talk to God and say, hey, what do you want me to do? What should I be doing? Does it do the right thing? And I'm bad about laying at night and going, oh, man, I, oh, I remember doing that. I said this. I did that. Oh, repenting. And, oh, how can... But I want to know how can I improve. So I, I go through that process, try to improve myself. I probably don't, but you probably say, yeah, no, you don't. But anyway, no soldier on duty gets involved with civilian affairs since he has to please his commanding officer, which in our case is Yeshua. Then he goes into an athlete. Also, an athlete can't win a contest unless he completes, or he's persevering and steadfast and just keeps running, right? No, that's not what he says. This is according to the rules. Now, I used to run cross-country as well and did uh, some uh, marathons, half-marathons. And there's places along the way that you see where you... I could cut across here a little bit and save maybe half a minute, whatever, and it's tempting. Oh, man, let's see, I'm, I'm about 10 miles into my 12-something mile or 13-mile run, and, oh, man, I, I'm tired. I mean, you want to cut across. But Paul says... Run and you compete it, uh, complete according to the rules. Now, the rules allow you to do cheat like that? No. So you've got to run. And what are our rules? Where do we find the rules for Christian life? Torah. So, did we do away? Did, does Paul say we ever do away with the Old Testament? Romans 3.31. He, he doesn't just say no. He says, heck no. No. Oh. We keep the Torah. What do we What do we use the Torah for? That's the, that's the instruction book. That's our instruction book. So we're saved by grace, but what are our works? Our Our works is our you know, our fruit that we produce, and we want to show God that we love Him by keeping His commandments. So He says, uh, be, uh, "To win a contest, He competes according to the rules." And then He moves to the farmer who has done the hard work should be the first to receive a share of the harvest. Now, so now he switches from a runner to this image of a farmer. And of course, you know, the farmer has no boss over him other than maybe his wife, like my wife. Hey, it's daylight. Did you see? Get up. Get up. So, uh, but he has no boss. I mean, and you know what? I think I'll lay in bed and maybe 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock I'll get up. So how would his farm do? Probably not too well. I know we've had some people that worked on a farm before. It's a lot of hard work. I mean, you're constantly out there working in it, and, and Brenda's got a little uh, garden bed and stuff that we uh, would do, and she's constantly out there pulling weeds, and even when you go somewhere else, she's like, let me pull this weed. I'm like, it's not our house. You know, you can't leave that. But So bring Brenda over, and she'll probably get the weeds for you. But for a farmer, he's always trying to get weeds out, right? Trying to fertilize, trying to make sure the crops are um, maintained and not too hot, not too cold. Um, but he's hard working. So as a minister of God, so, and yeah, I got to teach uh, Sunday or Monday or Saturday or whatever. Man, I'll work on that later. Man, no big deal. Uh, oh, AI, maybe I can pull up AI and get that. That way I don't have to work so hard. Uh, 
We should be hard working and studying the Word of God, not relying on something else, not relying on uh, some fortune that we found along the way. And uh, but he says, work should be the uh, the farmer uh, should be the first to receive a share of the harvest. So he's doing all this work. He deserves to get a little something out of it, right? And he says, think about what I'm saying. The Lord will enable you to understand everything. So you may not understand it now. And you hear the words and you read. And how many times have I read the Bible? And how do we understand the Bible anyway? Through the Holy Spirit, right? So you're reading the Bible and it's like, I don't know. I'm not getting it out of that. Okay, let me keep reading. And you come back maybe a month or two later, a week, a year. You read it again, it's like, wow, I never saw that before. Man, that's, wow, that was deep. And you, you finally get it. But we keep reading and reading. And does that mean you, you stop reading? No, you keep reading. Because the next time you may get hit by a bolt that's even harder, and you're like, oh, there's another truth. So um, we have to keep working and reading the Bible and what the rule book, rule book, book says. Anyway, so um, then we uh, oh, hang on just a minute. I think I'm getting ahead of myself, which wouldn't be the first time. So I got a new iPad, tablet, whatever you call this thing. I don't know the technology term for it, but anyway, has some challenges to it. So uh, bear with me. Um, iPad, is that what? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a computer thing as far, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, um, so Paul is uh, saying to Timothy, reflect on what I'm saying because God will give you insight and understanding into it later, maybe tomorrow, maybe next month, next year, whatever. But kind of remember it. And then when you, some point in your life, you'll be like, wait a minute, I remember, who is that? Somebody's so, and always oh, Paul, tell me. Um, and it requires quiet time with God, right? Hard work to get quiet and listen to God's voice. So we means we got to stop listening to TV and radio and everything else going around and just have some quiet time where you just sit and kind of talk to God and, and wait and listen. And the hardest part is the waiting and listening, let me tell you. That uh, like, okay. Is he speaking yet? No. How about now? So uh, it's tough. Next is going to be uh, verses 8 through 13. And this is more about God's faithfulness. Um, is God ever, I mean, we stop being faithful. You know, oh, I don't feel like going to Shabbat. I think I'll take a few months off, maybe a year, a couple of years. So we're not faithful. Does that mean God's not faithful? God is always faithful, right? So when he made the Abrahamic covenant, put uh, Abraham to sleep and he walked through the... Um, Sacrifice is a unilateral. So God's got to keep His promise, and He's never going to be unfaithful. We have to keep holding on to Him to uh, to be faithful. Um, trials are so different, uh, difficult, and circumstances so complex and perilous, and everything around you seems to contradict the goodness of God. And this is where we run into pitfalls and problems in life, and it's like, oh, God, all about God. How about uh, Eve in the garden? When Satan came and says, "Did God really say that? I, I don't." And did she think about 
try to say, well, let me, let me go back and look and see what he truly said. No, she just listened to him. And we get in our problems, and we're blinded. And I've been there. So I know I'm not telling, saying anything that you probably haven't, I'm sure, have gone through as well. But we get into a problem. we like, I'm just blindsided, knocked to my knees, and I'm crawling around trying to figure out, oh, one, how did I get here? Now, how do I get out of it? So, what does Paul say? Remember Yeshua. Remember Jesus Christ. Because, trust me, we forget. Seems like, man, that'd be the first thing I think. I didn't. And I'm sure you haven't either. There's been many situations. I'm like, that's the last thing. I wish it had been the first thing I thought of, but it was the last thing I thought of. And sort of like with prayer, people try everything else. And finally, it's like, well, I guess we'll try praying. Well, should have been the first thing you did, but anyway. So um, we get in our, our little uh, problems and situations. We need to remember Yeshua. What did he? And he died for us, right? That's love. No greater love has any man than one that's going to die for you. So if he died for us, how much more does he love us? That if you ask him, God, I'm in a pickle. I don't. Know. I have no idea. Is he going to help you out of it? Nah, let him just simmer in a little bit. And he might. He may let you simmer in a little bit. But he will help you. He loves to help us. But we forget to ask him. And unfortunately, it's like the last thing we we, uh, think about. Um, We fall prey to fear and doubt. Has anybody ever had that? Fear and doubt? Yeah. And... um, the enemy takes us so far down the path of doubt that we allow him to control our lives. And that is a shame. So, if we would listen to the voice of Yeshua, but I don't know if you ever saw the uh, cartoon this long time ago. I'm not even going to say how many years. But anyway, had a little cartoon, and on one shoulder was an angel, and on the other shoulder was a little demon, devil, whatever. And the one, no, 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 God, and the demon, no, I wouldn't take that if you man, I would, I just go, like, okay, which one are you listening to? Which one's louder, though? You know, a lot of times the, the little devil is louder than, uh, you got to, like, block that ear so you can hear. Um, but verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. And before we uh, get too far in the woods with that, let's uh, read verses 8 through uh, 13. Remember Yeshua the Messiah who was raised from the dead, who was a descendant of David. This is the good news I proclaim, and for which I was suffering to the point of being bound in chains. But the word of God is not bound in chains. Why do I persevere through it all? For the sake of those who have been chosen, so that they may too obtain the deliverance that comes through the Messiah Yeshua with eternal glory. Here is a statement you can trust. And this is the little song, the hymn, the poem, or whatever uh, you wish to call it. If we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we persevere, we will also rule with Him. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. If we are faithful or faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. So. So Paul starts out, he says, remember Yeshua the Messiah. When you're in a problem, when you're having a, a struggle or somebody comes to you, and Brian and I were talking about this on the way uh, over to see Aaron Schuess last night. You know, I was talking to uh, some of these pastors talking about, you know, their 
sitting in their office and everything's going on. Oh yeah, come on in. Hey, what do you want to talk about? Oh, I got this demon. I was wondering if you... Whoa, wait. Huh, huh, what? I don't, wait a minute. I didn't go through that in seminary. I didn't study that. Oh, you got a what? Oh, man, my, I think my first reaction would be, let, hey, tell you what, just sit right here. Let me head out the door. And if there's not a door, I think I'll make one. But uh, remember Yeshua who was raised from the dead because Paul knows Timothy's going to go through some challenges. Paul's been through them. And he knows Timothy's coming right behind him where he's already been and I know what you're about to hit. And uh, you're going to have some speed bumps. Um, but this is the good news that I proclaim. What? The, the Bible. And of course back then was the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't even written when uh, Paul was writing all of this. Um, so he's talking about the Old Testament. And for which I am suffering to the point of being bound in chains. So he was most likely in prison with chains bound to a Roman guard. And Brenda's like, why would a guard be? I'm like, yeah, I can imagine. Hey, great. Yeah, I'm a guard, but I'm in prison just like the, the prisoner is. But uh, most likely he was bound to a prisoner or a uh, prison guard and sitting in prison. So there was no escape, no running. But he says, I'm bound in chains. However, the word of God is not bound in chains. So it doesn't matter what goes on in the world. The word of God is not bound by any chains, by anything man's doings or anything else. And um, so why, why don't I persevere, Paul says. I mean, you know, anybody with his right mind would be like, I'm done with this. I think I'm going to check out and go, maybe go to Walmart, find another job. It's got to be something better. But he says, I do it for the sake of those who have been chosen, so that they too may obtain the deliverance that comes through the Messiah Yeshua. So Paul, in his mind, had bigger vision of why he's doing what he's doing. I mean, whatever job you're doing, whether it's uh, lawn mowing or um, trash picking up or whatever, you've got to have a reason for why you're doing it. Well, one, make money. Yeah, bring in money. But... Two, I'm helping people. And you, know, you got to have a heart for what you're doing. And do what you love. And uh, then it's not work. Um, but he said the Word of God is not bound in change. So when we teach and when we preach, we know, yeah, may not, I mean, how many times, Jim, you teach someone, you, oh yeah, he's going to, yeah, I'm going to win him to God. No, we don't win him. The Holy Spirit does. You plant the seed, okay, bye, have a great day. He may not ever, or he or she may not ever accept Jesus that day or the next week or the next year even, maybe five years. But you plant that seed. You water it. You do what you can. You be the mind, heart, voice, and hand of Yeshua. And you're done. You don't worry. Because many times Brenda and I is like, oh, let's go. Well, she sits me on the Bobby, go, go talk to that. Go, go talk to that. Go. I'm like, okay. What, did, what, what happened? Nothing. Is that it? Yeah. Have a great day. Good meeting you. Have a great life. Yeah, and helped them out. They had a little problem. I prayed with them. But that's it. We've done what we can, right? Now it's up to the Holy Spirit. So don't get caught up in, oh, man, I blew that one. Oh, that was horrible. They, they just looked at me like I was crazy. Maybe you are. I don't know. So why do I persevere? It's for the sake. These are people that God lo- God loves everyone, right? Even if some have been Laden, the Hamas. Killers, you know, if you're living next door to uh, Gaza, God loves those people too. He died for them. He died for you. He died for them too. So we should love them just like God loves them. And 
But he says, if we have died with him, with Christ, we also would live with him. And that's our hope one day. Is we're going to live with Christ again in his kingdom one day after this world and this life is over. Our, our goal should not be to say, how long can I live? Man, I hope they come out with a new medicine that I can live forever. No. <laughs> I don't want to live in this world forever. And Brendan and I are talking about, you know, what if they drop a nuclear I said, if they drop a nuclear bomb, I hope it's right on top of my house, right above the bedroom, and just take me out. I don't want to live and be in some pain and walk around like some zombie and, and you know, no. Go ahead and take me out. I'm good. Because as Jim says, I put in a change of address. I know where I'm going. It's okay. Go ahead and take me out. It's fine. And the last uh, few verses, 14 to uh, 26. Paul says, keep reminding people of this and charge them solemnly before the Lord to uh, not to engage in war battles. They accomplish nothing using and are a catastrophe for the hearers. That's, that's strong. So, y'all, I'm, I've been through this and I'm going to try to hurry up. I see the time. But um, I grew up in Baptist church, most of you know. And uh, so we're back in 1970, uh, the church was created in 1900. So 70 years later, 1970, they said, man, we need to spruce this thing up and make it look a little better. So we got a committee, a building committee, and we're uh, trying to do all these things. And we got to the carpet. And some of the members wanted to do carpet about four feet up the walls, you know, for the sound. And so it sound better and not be so loud and clingy and clingy and whatever. And well, what color are we going to do? Well... Uh, I think green, maybe a dark green. No, red, no, blue, maybe blue. Because I saw, and would y'all believe, we had about 40% of our church leave and split, go start another church because they didn't like the color of the carpet. I'll just take my little red wagon and we'll go somewhere else. That's foolish. I mean, you look at it and you're all laughing, but that happens. And what happens in the church? Now, I know none of you do this, but in the Baptist, we have what we call fellowship. Did you see the pastor the other night? His car was at the church at like 11 o'clock at night. I'm not, I'm not gossiping. I'm just saying, I just saw him. I was just wondering, man, what is... Oh, did you see the music minister? Man, he looked like him and his wife may have been having... Oh, man, I don't know. He was a bad mood. We call that fellowshipping, but y'all, that's gossiping. Paul says... Keep reminding people of this and charge them solemnly before the Lord not to engage in any word battles and they accomplish nothing useful and are a catastrophe for the hearers. Do all you can to present yourself to God as someone worthy of His approval. So everything we do should be for God. Don't worry about man and whether he approves or not. You want to know, God, you know, you lay at night and you put your head on the pillow. Did I do that? Was I in the right? Did I do something wrong? Lord, correct me if I'm wrong. But I thought I said the right thing. I think I did the right thing. Um, we always want to ask God because He's our He's our judge one day. He's our defender and He'll be our judge. Um, do all you can present yourself to God as someone worthy of His approval, as a worker with no need to be ashamed because He deals straightforwardly with the word of the truth. But keep away from the godless babbling. For those who engage in it will only become more ungodly. And their teaching will eat away, um, eat, eat away at people like Dan Green, 
Anybody ever have gangrene or seen it or smell it? Yeah. It stinks. But how horrible. If you're Hananias and uh, Philetus, he named them. He is, let me tell you, these two guys here, you don't want to be like them. Oh, man. He says, uh, they're... They're uh, teaching just eats away at people, and they have missed the mark as far as the truth is concerned. How horrible to have your name in the Bible that way. Mm, 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 mm. Don't want to be there. By saying that our resurrection has already been taking place, and they are overturning some people's faith. Nevertheless, God's firm foundation stands stamped with these words, The Lord knows His own, and let everyone who claims He belongs to the Lord stand apart from the wrongdoing. So, um, you, you see things around in life. Well, you're uh, in Israel and you see Hamas coming. What do you do? Run? Or you try to defend people? And I've read, uh, read many uh, little stories, you know, and you see it on Instagram or whatever. Uh, this soldier died because um, they were attacking her unit and she stood at the door and defended them. She died, but they lived. I'd rather be that than man. He ran like a coward. He was he saved his life, but he was the only one that survived. So, I want to stand from the word of God, and I truly believe. People say, "Oh, I wish we were back in uh, Old Testament and the uh, biblical days." I think we may be having some biblical days coming, and that comes with miracles. And Jesus said, uh, Yeshua said, "We'll do greater things than than He did." But we may see some greater tragedies than he did too. So um, just be prepared. But anyway, um, with that, any quick questions? Because we're, I know we're getting a little over time. Any questions anyone has? Appreciate you uh, tolerating me, and, and I'm so sorry. Gabe will be back soon. And <laughs> so make you appreciate it.